Hello and welcome to Through the Door, the Audiophiles podcast. My name is Warren Borg, I'm also known as Wargy. My name is Lee Hughes and I am known as Yuzi. And uh, we are cheesily your hosts for our first episode with none other than one of my favourite producers ever, Chris Reed, also known as Plastician. It's worth saying at this point that this is brought to you by wargieproductions.com. If you need to learn anything about podcast production, if you've got an idea for a podcast, if you are a business that's thinking about podcasting, you need to get involved, get over to wargieproductions.com and have your mind blown. Indeed, they should. So, as per the format of all of our episodes going forward, we uh, went deep into the career of Chris. Uh, we uh, found out how we started in music. From that, like what gear he used to make it along the way. And that, that was kind of the most in, in exciting thing, being producers ourselves and learning about making music. Yeah, he dug in and it was amazing. Um the podcast has got a little bit of blue language, so if you're listening to this in a car with your kids, maybe don't, and wait until you get home, and you'll have more fun that way. Pop a bottle, it be ace. Yeah, we, we enjoyed ourselves a lot in the Court Members Club, just off of Carnaby Street, um, the lovely guys down there, it's kind of our new home for this podcast, mm. so uh, thank you to them ahead of the episode. Enjoy. This is Chris Plastician. Boom. So, Chris, Plastician, uh, you're here on Through the Door podcast with myself and Lee Hughes. Welcome. Thank you for having me in this uh, quite splendid room. Yeah, Yeah, it's lovely, right? This is is our new home. Yeah, which is the Court (laughs) London. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's very swanky. It's plush. It is. It is. lovely. I'm impressed. Yeah, Yeah, it is, mate. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, man, it's uh, the last time I saw you, we were in uh, LA and I was at a show with you DJing. Um, and playing uh, alongside um, DWE as well. Yep, yep. We got a bit pissed up beforehand, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was a. Drink, gr- do you remember that sour beer that we had? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's like yeah. vinegar. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was gross. Yeah, um, but yeah, man. It's like it's that, that was. I was actually making a podcast while I was out there. Yep. Chris, Chris was there, obviously, and. Uh, um, yeah, it was dope, man. It was like a random little one, but sort of ended up just smashing about in LA, which Old was fantastic. Catch up, yeah, it's like yeah, a school reunion. That's it. It was. It was. <laughs> it's like, and I remember that as a thing about that night because like one of my favourite tunes, like just full stop, is Intensive Snare. Right? Oh, right, yeah, just is, and like you smashed it at the end of that set. And I remember being really drunk <laughs> and being like, yes. I didn't know you were still there as yeah, well. I, I was, I was like, <laughs> you disappeared for a bit. Nah, I thought he's probably was, slipped out the back. I was uh, chatting to D Double's manager for like ages, just yeah. bending his ear about um, uh, Bethnal Green and that. Actually. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's a good lad. But um, yeah, that sort of it just it was. I thought that would be a good point to sort of um, start the podcast with. Really, is because I kind of learned about your production through that tune, mm-hmm. and then met you through Forward and yep. through you know my ex Amy and and like because obviously being around plastic people and. Uh, yeah, it's got to come full circle, really, in that respect, I suppose. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so the, the intent of this um, podcast, really, is to go from sort of idea to career uh, in terms of how we get started and, and where our guests get started in music and uh, how we, how as, as musicians or DJs or whatever, develop an idea to make it a career. something. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's about taking a passion mm-hmm. and turning it into something that is sustainable yeah. that, that, mm, yeah. that, that provides you with some kind of income and I don't even think that means 
being rich and famous. That'd be nice. But I think a lot of people out there would just want to just, just kind of turn what they're doing yeah. and the talents that they've got into a career. It's all about yeah. it's all about sustainability, really. Yeah, mm. definitely for me. Anyway, like it's nice when you do get a nice little lump sum come through, but mm. those lump sums just allow you to keep your neck above water f- yeah. for another six to twelve months. Mm. And uh, the more of those you get coming in, just slowly building up a catalogue, all that kind of stuff. I think it all helps definitely. So uh, yeah, keen to talk about it. Mm. I think more people need to think like that as well. So yeah, yeah definitely, this is definitely going to help. Hopefully, yeah. So basically, where did it start with you? Uh, musically, mm. um, I was quite a late starter to like music proper. Really, like I never really had that much interest in proper music until um, I got into college. And mm. even when I got into college, I was you know studying fine art um, because I wanted to do graphic design and couldn't get onto that course. Mm. So I figured that was the closest thing to it. But in doing that, just sort of sitting at home, trying to find something to listen to on the radio while I was getting on with my coursework, really, yeah. and stumbled upon. Um, pirate radio and I'd heard bits and pieces of like a lot of my friends at, at secondary school were into jungle and drum and bass and it, it didn't it didn't really appeal to me that much and then I heard Garage on the radio I was like oh this is alright this is a little bit more listenable so I found myself listening to Garage and a little bit of like I suppose I listened to a little bit of breaks and stuff like that as well and like electro like that was about my early early kind of intake of anything that wasn't just being played on the radio but hearing Garage I really liked it and some of the people on my course were similar so we kind of swapped tapes listening to stuff a mate of mine on the art course had a set of decks and we used to sit in his house on a two-hour break and just mess about on his decks but he never used to let me have a go I wanted to have a go and as soon as you touch he's like no you're doing it wrong look let me show you (laughs) so then around my 18th birthday he wanted to sell his decks because he wanted to get into production and he decided that selling his decks for 150 quid would give him a bit of money to buy Cubase. And that was his idea. So I took the decks off of him for my 18th birthday for 150 quid. My mum and dad thought it was another fad, like, yeah. like rollerblading was. And they all always that do that. Before. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and I thought, but part of me probably believed them as well. Like they probably had like, they were yeah. probably right. But at the time, I'd, I didn't really want anything else. I thought that I wanted to do that. And uh, yeah, I just started buying records in Big Apple and swag records in Croydon and we had Beano's as well in Croydon so I pretty much like spoilt for choice down there at the time we had a lot of underground music stores Wax City as well and um, yeah so I started to buy like garage records I was doing that for a fair few years trying to get my foot in the scene but it was quite a closed circuit community garage scene if you weren't a producer or an established DJ you couldn't really get your foot in the door so is a foot in the door being a DJ or being it, a producer? I guess it was being a DJ to start with for me. I just thought like, you know, I learned how to mix. I got mm. to that stage where I knew I could mix. And then it was like, right, how do I get on the radio and into the clubs? And I managed to bump into an old friend who was also DJing. And he was like, oh, I can get us on pirate radio. I've got, you know, if we do a tape, I'll get us a show. So yeah. did that. And then that was it. I got my first show on a station called 2GFM in South London. I'm guessing that would have been around 2001, 2002. So I was sort of dotting around stations like that that were on and off the air every five minutes because they were getting shut down. The aerials were getting ripped off the state, like Mm. the roofs by other people. And that was just the state of affairs in Pirate Radio back then. And I was doing that for a couple of years and I was listening to like tape packs and I heard, was hearing like the early start of like the grime sound. So I'm here in this garage, but I was playing a lot of darker stuff because I had MCs on the radio with me. I needed instrumentals. I needed darker garage stuff. 
and then I was started to hear um, the tape packs like Pay As You Go, Heartless Crew, So Solid. And I was like, all right, this is a lot more the sort of thing that I am into as well. And then I heard like Slimzy on one of these tape packs and he was playing stuff that wasn't in record shops. And I'm like, how's he playing music that you can't buy? Mm. I couldn't get my head around it. And then I sort of found out about dub plates and I was like, right, so you can cut your music onto a record and you'll be the only person that's got it. So then I was like, that's what I want to do. So how, do, how does that, you're educating me now, because what's a dub plate so how does that work? A dub plate is like a lacquer. So if you've ever cut a record, mm. a, a vinyl record, the first thing you have to do is essentially, it's like a piece of metal covered in uh, acetate. Okay. And it basically goes on what's called a lathe, which mm. is like an enormous uh, turntable basically with, with a needle on it that cuts grooves into the acetate. So it's like, when it comes on, it's like a flat piece of, like shiny plastic right but inside it's metal stick that on the lathe goes to a mastering engineer he kind of like it's very similar to a mastering session that you might have sat in before yeah. but then once you've got the levels where you're happy with in the room the needle goes on this very clean piece of acetate and scratches that song into it like a record it turns it into um, a negative basically well actually no that is a positive at that point then that acetate is taken to an acid bath. Okay. It sits in an acid bath for a week, yeah. and then it turns it into a piece of metal, which is like the negative of a vinyl record. That piece, two pieces of metal, goes to a pressing plant. They squash like warm pieces of plastic together, yeah. and there you've got a copy of your record. Holy shit! Is that <laughs> that's the process? Now yeah. you could just open a laptop and click. Yeah, <laughs> but a dub plate is essentially. I didn't know they were called dub plates. Yeah, so a dub plate is essentially the same as the acetate, except for an acetate for a vinyl record, it's about fourteen inches. It's like a massive vinyl. Yeah. Then that two inches of that gets like sliced off in the vinyl process. Right. But an acetate is normally ten or twelve inch, like the same as a record, same size as a normal record, but it's got that metal inside it. Yeah. And when you scratch it in, you essentially make a playable record. Right. Um, but it, you know. You get wear and tear it doesn't have like the longevity of an actual piece of vinyl okay so like every time you play it it starts to get mm -hmm. dustier and more crackly and it's kind of like well, sounds quite, better. yeah it's quite it's quite <laughs> yeah. nice but from playing these dub plates out for years and years and years like that first beat that you had to scratch in as a dj was slowly getting lost because of the amount of times you sat there queuing yeah. it up scratching it that first beat yeah, just slowly yeah. starts to disappear right it's quite an interesting yeah phenomenon but um, yeah no shit it sounds expensive the, too it is yeah, yeah. The, yeah. a dub plate is about 35 quid to, to for two tracks basically right so okay it costs a lot of money it was yeah. an expensive hobby basically yeah but i thought that that might have been my route into being like having a niche you know when i heard slimsy i was like this dj's got all this new music that's mm. what i want to do mm. i want to have tunes that no one's got how do i do that make my own how do i make my own tunes that's when i picked up um fruity loops right. which was basically a a piece of software that I downloaded from some crack website, probably like LimeWire or something yeah, like yeah, that at yeah, the time. Yeah. LimeWire? Shit, yeah. I've not heard that one in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think at the first time I bought, I didn't buy it, sorry. I got, it, was a, it was always been a free demo online, but the demo wouldn't allow you to like save yeah, or bounce, or, or bounce yeah. anything. So yeah. what I used to do is plug my PC into like a mini disc. Yeah, and then, bounce, and then bounce and it out. And the audio straight out. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was so like, yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, you know? yeah. To the point that I thought I had to record at, at full volume. So, oh, yeah, right. I was in my mum and dad's house and I used to have like my stereo. I'd bring my entire like stereo system, stack system downstairs mm. into where the computer was in the house, put my mini disc in, plug the computer into it, put the put everything at full volume. But you were talking at like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. 
I've got like my my system turned up to fifty. <laughs> all my duvet on top. It's like, of it. it's like Macaulay oh, Culkin. Yeah. All my all my like I have my pillows on there. Yeah. And I'm like sitting on top of it, so no yeah, one yeah, in the yeah. house can hear it. Yeah. But it's booming. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. But like I didn't know that you could probably do. You could turn it to zero and it yeah. have the same. Yeah. 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 It doesn't yeah. matter how loud you're you're playing it out. No. Speakers the, the same yeah, yeah. inputs going yeah, in. But yeah, that's that's how young and naive yeah, I was. Yeah. Beautiful. Though. But, uh, yeah, that was my first experience of like production. Yeah. And yeah. It was like doing that for about a year until, you know, I managed to get a proper, proper mm. cracked copy where I could actually bounce audio files out. Mm. And uh, so, what year is this? I f- I would hazard a guess at this being two thousand and one, two thousand and two. Mm. Right. Because I think end of two thousand and one was when I first started sending stuff out. Um, and and it was getting played right at the end of two thousand and one. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that was kind of when people started to know what I was doing outside of the dodgy pirates I was on mm. in South London, that kind of opened doors for me outside of the local community mm. and so, the house parties and stuff. So in terms of you escaping a sound, right, at that point, mm. so from like Dark Garage, so like around that time, I mean, I don't know, from what I listened to, what I got into, I guess, was like the sort of sound of like LB mm, and yeah. Ghost and that was a lot of what I was playing on yeah, radio, yeah right yeah and like, and like the early horsepower stuff as yeah. well Benny and that because I mean so what 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 was what gave you your sound like so it's your initial idea I think it was you kind of it's a bit of a mis- it's a bit of a divine mistake at that time that like you you have a go and for, for ages you're just trying to copy other people's tunes you know and I think the first time I had a tune where I was really happy with it was I'd been making this kind of like eight bar grime stuff mm. for a while. It wasn't really called grime at the time, no. but it became grime. People were referring to it as eight bar, sublo, esky. It had so yeah, many esky. names. Yeah. And um, I was making that with not a lot of uh, success for mm. a little while until a record by Big Shot came out called Stomp. And um, I tried to kind of replicate the structure of that and that's when I really like learned a little bit about structuring songs mm. yeah. a bit more than just literally making patterns change up every every eight bars mm-hmm. and once I started learning a bit more about structure that helped me sort of harbour my sound a little bit because then I wasn't just making straight up like eight bar grime I was trying to like think about the structure of the song and make it more interesting than just something that MCs will spit over it'd be like oh I want to make something that's interesting enough just as an instrumental yeah. and I think that's how you know, the early days of playing forward, like my first time playing forward was 2003, yeah. by which time I'd been on rinse for a few months as well. And um, and that came about because Slimzy picked up on a couple of the records that I'd made, mm. probably because I'd started to like just stand out a little bit more. Yeah. Mm. And it was standing out purely for me was just trying to make my grime music a little bit more interesting on yeah. its own, not not need an MC on it like mm. build it like a song not just like an instrumental that needs an MC on top of it so I think that helped me stand out a little bit in the early days mm. and you've got to remember like in the early days not like it is now in the early days not like now where 40,000 tunes a day are getting uploaded to Spotify mm. there's probably only about 10 to 15 producers releasing any music within that kind of circle so and you know like just went through the process of pressing vinyl you had to know that to even get your music that yeah. into the shop yeah so I was lucky that I only knew that because I'd worked in distribution at this point as well mm. um, that was another before I even got into production I, I had a job in the industry doing that so I knew the process but it was just having that music to then exploit mm. the process and the knowledge that I'd 
had at the time. And um, so, yeah, I think like it was easier to stand out back then because there wasn't as much competition. Right. Um, yeah. And I just made music that was good enough to stand out above a lot of the stuff that was out at the time. Mm. And because of that, it started to pick up like press at that time. It, it just came at the perfect moment for me that mm. like suddenly like people like John Peel were playing it on the radio. And it's like, oh, if John Peel's playing it, it must be interesting. Mm. Who who we who should we be listening to? And I happened to be one of them people yeah. that John Beal was playing. So mm. all of the kind of like highbrow press that wanted to write about what was going on in like urban London yeah. were writing about this sound that was happening at Forward and Grime. Yeah, and, they were. and I was I was writing amongst the thick of that. So it was like very much like lucky in that sense um, that I, it was perfect timing. Mm. Um, and luckily I'd, my music was at that level mm. um, and that's it really I remember like being like reading like Melody Maker and NME at the time I mean like like mid 2000s I mean I, I and I remember seeing the name Slimzy the name mm. Plastician uh, like Oris J yeah. like, like seeing all them people like in the paper like and and, and it being references like punk music like like it's what punk was gonna, what, what new punk was. Yeah, yeah. It, it was because it was it was idiosyncratically London. Well, I yeah, think, and I, I, I was I was so I was envious of it because I was a guitarist yeah. and I was like, and I like the only electronic music I, I mean, I, I was into left field and, and like yeah. rhythm and stealth. Lent, they borrowed a lot of like that that sort of grime um, rhythm to a degree, like like with with like some of the garage and like the darker garage, like the first. And I just remember sort of being like infatuated with it and jealous of it. And angry because I didn't mm. know how to make it and whatever. <laughs> like, and the first sort of big crossover record in indie world was "I Love You" by Dizzy. Yeah, yeah. Basically, because that was that started being played at indie raves at the end of the night. Insane, the cool ones that it was that as well. Because even yeah. in the grime world, that sounded weird. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Dizzy's yeah, yeah. Dizzy's vocals like didn't like we no. heard him on the radio yeah, over exactly. lots of different. Yeah. other people's instrumentals and he just like blended in with everyone else but then mm. when he started putting his own production to what he was doing it was mm. like this is weird like mm. i'm not sure if i like this i remember <laughs> yeah. the first time i heard i love you and i was like it's a bit bit it's a bit noisy and yeah, then like was, i remember yeah. going like, hearing it on the radio like that same day that i picked it up in the record shop and john in big apple said to me he's like it was an under the counter like oh you know like we've only got a few copies of this like do you, do you want to have a listen to this and yeah. I was like Dizzy Rascal oh I, yeah I keep hearing about this I need to hear it mm. and I heard it and I was like is that what this is everyone's talking about this yeah I'm not in it <laughs> yeah. and then I went home <laughs> yeah. and then I heard it on the radio in a different setting completely and I was yeah. like oh I should have picked that up yeah. <laughs> yeah. and yeah. then I went straight back in the next day and I went John have you still got that record and he went yeah and I went please yeah. I want it now yeah, I, was yeah, like, I don't yeah. I don't know my mind was in a different place yesterday <laughs> yeah. but I heard it on the radio last night and now I get it. Like, yeah. Next to everything else they were doing, it made much more sense. Mm. I'm just listening to it still with like my, my dark garage hat on. I'm like, yeah. that just sounds a little bit too noisy to mm. me. Yeah. It, uh, when I heard it, like back then especially, I was into some really sort of noisy guitar bass, like back without the driving. Yeah. Like that was sort of like, because I was, I was bored of indie music, but didn't, uh, so I, got, I just got into louder, aggressive punk yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. Right? Instead of trying to find a common ground, I guess, and like hearing it was like fuck, like this is there's something there, and like, yeah. from that point, actually, it made me, it made me find out more about grime, I guess, mm. and it definitely and, opened and a lot of doors. Yeah, definitely. like it, it, like just that sound, like a distorted kick, and like that, like, it just, I don't know, it just brought <laughs> something, like it, it, 
it, it, it's that thing of like the break break a breakthrough sound. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, like and I think that sort of lends itself to like what you said earlier about like you 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 developed a sound as a result of your surroundings mm. and everything else. And it's like that's the hardest thing I think now with like so, so if we fast forward that to like right now, like today. If a song like right. that came out today, there'd be fifty copycats of it tomorrow. Well, that's yes, the problem. Exactly. I think it, ta- it took exactly. time before. Yeah, you, that exactly. song would live in its own space for about six months before yeah. anything mm. else sounded remotely like it. Mm. Yeah. Whereas, so it had time for people to discover it, and it was still unique when mm. they were still discovering it. Whereas now, mm. something that unique comes out, everyone's jumping on it the next mm. time, like mm. next two three weeks, p- things are popping up on SoundCloud. You know, uh, DJs the thing are is, it, it, it goes as quick as, as, as it comes as well. You know, like yeah. this new stuff. It, it used to be that a tune like that come around, it sticks around for a little mm. while, but mm. now it's like flashing the pans. It has to be something. And even then, like something like that, you know, like the first press of it would be like 500 white labels that yeah. would literally only go to London <coughs> record stores yeah. that specialised yeah. in grime and garage. Yeah. So, like, if you were like the average like uh, crate digging record collector, you wouldn't have even heard that mm. until someone played it on the radio or. And they had to get hold of it from one of these extremely specialist stores, you know. Mm. Like the people that walked into these shops, they all looked like, we all looked like each other. Mm. We were all garage collectors, Mm. you know, like we were kids. There was no like old guys coming in like, oh, what's what's new? Like it was just garage buyers in those shops. That's it, yeah. Kids in tracksuits. Yeah. So like it took, it took a while for any of that music to filter out of Mm. those shops. Mm. And it took maybe like a John Peel to like potentially open that door to like, the kind of music connoisseurs and the uh, yeah the critics of the world, you know, yeah, yeah like Marianne Hobbs has like exactly, championed yeah. champion that sort of perfect example, sound, yeah. uh, like that. Like, but she's she's done that across the board, genre wise, mm, right? Definitely. Like she's discovered punk bands and disco bands and whatever that that have that have something. They're yeah, just yeah. Like, there's just something there, right? To go back a little bit, then to sort of go back to Should when you know. was making music, I think just talk about your kit. So what was it? What did you? What did when you when you you surpassed your decks? You knew how to make tunes. You got you figured out. That's why you should make tunes. Okay, right. So your immediate kit. What was it? My home studio setup. Mm. I can kind of picture it now. It literally was a PC, and yeah. I didn't even have like a proper set of studio monitors. No, just a very basic set of like like basic hi-fi speakers. Mm-hmm. Mm. I literally had no kit, mm-hmm. like no MIDI keyboard. No. No mic, nothing. I everything I built for years was just built out of samples. Yeah. So even my samples would come in via if I had to record vinyl, for example, I wouldn't even record that straight into my PC. Right. Um I would record that onto I had a CD like recorder that I used to like record my mixes into. Mm-hmm. So I would rip a vinyl onto a CD, then yeah. I'd literally burn that onto my computer <laughs> yeah. and then and it, I, my knowledge was so bad back then that if I listened to the sample rate of the stuff that I was ripping, yeah. it was probably like 64 <laughs> kilobyte yeah, MP3. Yeah. So like all my samples... Degraded so awful, much. Awful, yeah. yeah. You, get, you get plugins for that now though, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bit crushers and stuff. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was yeah. my process back yeah, in the nice. day. But yeah. I thought, I didn't know any, I had no knowledge of like audio, you know, like I wasn't mm. an audiophile, so I didn't know about mm. bit rates and, you know, no. all I was thinking about was saving space on my PC. So mm. I would just... <laughs> I would literally go in at like the lowest quality that sounded okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was my kit. Basically, a very mm. basic PC, a very basic uh, that used to go straight into my hi-fi, which used to bounce the audio straight out of my hi-fi speakers. Yeah. That was it. That was my kit um, for years. 
And then and that was on Fruity Loops. That was on Fruity Loops, yeah. And I think so. The first one I was using was two point oh, yeah, which is very famous for the early Scream and Benga sound. Yeah, like that was where they wrote all their bass lines on the old TS four hundred four. Yeah, which yeah. then changed its sound. So when you moved from Fruity Loops two point oh to Fruity Loops three point five six, that a four hundred four sounded completely different. So if you opened mm. any of your old projects they didn't sound anything like yeah. what you'd made on the previous version. Which is mad irritating if it's you switch so off through writing. Yeah. yeah, and I did that as well. So like, yeah, I, I recently remastered loads of my old stuff and went back into the original like files and yeah. bounced out the WAV because mm. most all I had was like MP3s from yeah. that era because I was <laughs> bouncing out 128s and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had to find the original files and I literally had to go back to like an old PC and dig around and find the install file for that cracked copy of FL2 to make sure a couple of songs that I'd written on that program <laughs> that I had to then rewrite the bass lines on it was a couple of songs on that project took me ages I literally had to like replay all of the automation because it was all like in done real, by hand it yeah. wasn't yeah. Like real time automation lines. it was all so ups like and, downs and, and like was it all just like the internal oscillators and things you'd use in there like yeah, or did I, you have any fur parties on there or not like i did no it was all internal um for years actually i don't think it was until like um i mean like i, I used to knock about with scream and benga a lot where we mm. lived locally and they taught me how to use the 404 in there so mm. but until until i sat in on a session mm. with with scream i had no idea that yeah. those sounds were in there to use either mm. that's why everything i was doing was on samples so yeah I literally made everything out of samples replayed in different keys or like put through effects that were built into the sampler in FL mm. Studio or Fruity Loops. Mm. Um, and the thing is as well, years, just, to, yeah. just to cut in as well, they were like a fair bit younger than yourself at That's that point. That's right, yeah. Right? So they, they, they were I'd, making tunes when they were like 13, 14 and stuff. So I right? think I met Scream when he must have been about, he must have been about 16 when I met right. him. Or F- Bengen would have been about 15. Yeah. Um, we had lots of mutual friends in that but mm. I think I used to sort of see them at, on the house party circuit in Croydon. Yeah. So we'd both end up DJing and be like taking turns, but mm. I never really spoke to anyone. Yeah, and, then, yeah. and then you go in the record shop and there's that guy from the house. Oh, you played at that thing the other day. Mm. And what's your name? Like, and then yeah, yeah, that's course. how we got to know each other. Yeah, just yeah. through that. Like that's how I met Scream, Benga, um, uh, N-Type, Chef. Mm. I went to school with Hatcher, so I already knew him, but yeah, wicked, he was in the year above me at school. But, um, yeah, there's loads of weird little links to all of that. Like, you know, mm. Mala used to work with my mum at Vodafone. Right? Oh, really? There's, there's, <laughs> it's like, which yeah. is mad. If, if, I mean, if, if, if our listeners don't know who Mala is, which they may not, his musical journey is like unreal, isn't yeah, it? Really? Yeah, like, it's to crazy. see the thing. Not that, you know, not that yours isn't, but like just to think he goes from Vodafone to sort of, yeah. like, yeah, halfway Start across the, the world. UK and Gary Brazil, like, and all that. Yeah, yeah, right? I mean, Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's just. Unreal, it's an unreal world. But man. we were all linked to each other in so many mm. different ways. Like even talking about that, my college course earlier, Lofa was in my class mm. in the mm. year above. But we yeah. didn't really know each other until we yeah. bumped into each other at Ford, and it's like, oh, I know you. Like, yeah, you're in the art, art class. So yeah, it was a, uh, it's just like literally that. The kit was like that for years. Yeah, everything was samples until I met Scream, and he showed me a way around some of the VSTs that were built into like yeah, the stock version of fruity i uh-huh. didn't didn't have any third party nothing yeah i won't i'm not i can't even be sure if that existed if it did i didn't know anything about yeah, it exactly for years so then your user approach to it right mm. like so we've discussed this i mean lily and i make music together um and our approach and i think it's 
because we were guitarists essentially as you pick up and you just go right yeah we never read manuals we ne- no. I, i've had samplers of whatever else no. and never never read a bloody i, I can't no and, tried an error and actually yeah. i think in especially plugins and stuff like that i think a lot of people fall foul of relying on the visual mm. uh ui to yeah. some people don't even fucking that plug headphones in me, and they just they just eq in off of the, what the um what's it called what it tells you yeah 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 i mean come on You've got so, to use your ears and eyes at some point, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. it's just, just like, yeah. so, so that, that's, that's sort of my question to you, is like, so your, your use of them and plugins, even now to date, I mean, we'll go on to what your kit yeah, is yeah. now, right? And what you progress to. That's, mm. what, that's, what, that's what I'm trying to get to. Right. But like, so your, how you use them in terms of when you opened up like a plugin, whatever the fuck it is, like, what was it? What did you do? Just go through presets and yeah, fuck about? Yeah, or? and I think I'm still kind of the same, yeah, to be honest. Mm. You're like, I love... I love having loads of presets mm. to go through. I'm more of a sound editor than I am like a sound designer. Mm-hmm. Like, I went to college like in 2004, 2004 to 2006, I think, yeah. And um, the main reason I wanted to do that is because I was hoping I'd learn a bit about sound design because that was where I felt I was really lacking. Mm. I was like, all right, I know, how, I know how to install VSTs now, but how do I make that sound that I've got in my head? Mm. And I'm still to this day not very mm. good at that. So I like to have a massive bank of sounds to work off. And then I'll find something that's the closest thing to the sound I'm trying to get out of my head mm. and then just tweak until it's as close as I can get it. That, and that's kind of the best I can hope for personally um, because my sound design skills are still not where I would like them to be. Mm. But I have friends who are absolutely incredible at sound design. Like You kind of make a sound with your mouth and they'll be like, oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. literally live automate the whole thing, so like it's just incredible. Like, I'm jealous of those kind of people. Like I'd, I wish I could do that, but yeah, I've never really been able to do that. But I think yeah, having a having a nice broad range of um, I don't. I've never really got into sample packs. I'm, that's one thing I've not yeah. got into. I like I like the the thought of like digging around for stuff that other people can't get or mm. like literally like taking lifting a kick drum off of a record or mm. Mm. even off like a, a wav or an mp3 like mm. if i hear something i'm like oh, i'll sample that mm. nick bits of here and there i still am a bit more like that um but yeah like presets in vsts i definitely have used stuff like that to build around and sometimes i've left them as they are to be honest mm-hmm. like sometimes they sound good enough that i'm just like do you know what I know it's a preset but I don't care like yeah. it's just a sound I've still played it however yeah. I wanted to play so it so Scream like single Scream one was notorious at one point for using loads of native instrument just just, pl- just presets yeah yeah like on, on, loads, on loads of his like on um, the Screamism records there's yeah. quite a few there's quite a few tunes in there that are just I've, I've used that sound yeah yeah and I, like, I, I can't remember what it is it's on Massive or whatever and I'm, I he remixed a tune I made with uh, Amy as our band Chuki Ting yeah, years yeah. ago and he remixed one and he's like, yeah, like, I use that synth, it's fucking well good, isn't it? It's like, yeah, what'd yeah. you do to it? I went, nothing. He went, nah, never did I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you listen to it, it's just like, rah, 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 rah. and mine's just like, it's yeah. me just playing notes. <laughs> <laughs> Still sounding good though, do you exactly know what I mean? That, yeah. you got you got it's a thing like, from a listener as well. Yeah, like, who gives a fuck? Go, go grab a listener and go, do you reckon this is native instruments or do you reckon that's... Yeah. Wait, do you know who what? the fuck's going to... No, I'm 100% with you on that. And I used to think like that for a while. I used to listen to other people's tunes and be like, Oh, that's off of Albino. Oh, yeah, that's off it. But yeah, then I thought yeah. I'm, I'm being an idiot. Like mm. I'm, I'm literally the naught point naught 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 five percent of people listening exactly. to this record. Yeah. Like everyone else who's just a listener or yeah. in a dance is not, does not give a shit where that sound came nah, from. No, of course not. And if they do, 
no one cares. Yeah. Like, really. If they but do, if they you, should be making. Yeah, make, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've had this argument as well. I remember I remember I wrote a record that came out on Trouble and Bass, I think around 2009 or yeah. 10. And one of the songs on that EP was literally a riff straight off of one of the sort of stock plugins on FL Studio. Yep. The first time I've ever used a whole riff, but it's that good. I was like, I quite like that. Mm, I started that. building a whole song around it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wrote chords on top of it, done yeah. loads of stuff. And someone got up in YouTube and was like, oh, this guy don't know what he's doing. That's off of this. And I got him back in. I was like, you're absolutely right. It is that. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and remake the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. And like every, every year for about three years, I went back and was like, you've done it yet, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it annoyed me so yeah, much. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like this is the thing you can like and this is the thing with sample packs like I said I've never really got that into sample packs purely because no. I'm like I like the idea of no one else being having that yeah. and yeah I have done it in the past like I said that time um, I did use it but I just it was I was happy enough with it that I was happy to just leave it I was yeah. like yeah. I knew that that was going to happen I just accepted that it's fine like 99.9% of <laughs> listeners on this record are not going to know where that comes from mm. no and and the and the 0.1% that do is the label it's a label but but yeah it's just it don't matter it really doesn't in the grand scheme of things and uh, so yeah like a lot of people get funny I see it people getting shitty with people who have spotted something out of a sample pack, but I, I don't care. No. Like, if the song sounds good, I really don't care how, mm. how it was made. Or that's what they're there for, though, sample yeah. packs, right? It, that's surely what well, they're That's what they're fucking... Yeah. Yeah. Give people made, the chance. It? Yeah, it's give people a chance <laughs> yeah. to have yeah. a go, learn the mm. ropes, and yeah. then, you know, figure it out for figure themselves. And if a good like, tune comes out of a sample pack, then fair play. Exactly. Like, yeah, it's like, I mean, I've, I've again, the same, same, really. Like, I don't, I've never really used sample libraries I, I, um, in, in terms of, like, I mean, I've got, like, we've got loads of friends, a company called Audio Animals that we use. I mean, mm. their their studio is basically made, like, to, oh, mate, to you just want to record see this place. every single little tap and, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, they've got plugins made out of kids' instruments. Like, all, yeah, all yeah. made themselves. VSTs are amazing. Like, they, they've done it all. And, like, it's like fucking Darth Vader's game room. In so, mate, it's oh, unreal. Mate. It's unreal. <laughs> it's like Wall of Moogs they and know shit. What they, they know what they're doing, man. They're yeah, amazing. And amazing. at the same time, like, I still make tunes from a drum, a whole collection of drum packs that a mate gave me on a hard drive once. Oh, mate. I've and he was likewise. like, look, there's 50 gigs worth of kicks and snares yeah. and hi-hats. Hmm. I do the same You've thing. now got them. Yeah. And we just made a record with them. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, everything else was, to be fair, like organic. And like, we, we, we can play a lot of instruments between us. But then, again, there's loads of presets in there and like, hmm. like waves element we use quite a lot. That's, hmm. a, that's a, a good sounding sort of bass synth. There's like some really nice like... That's horrible it. little noises it up over on time. There. I've got I've got such an array of VSTs mm. and presets for all of those VSTs and one of the things I've got into more recently is these contact libraries. Mm. I have hundreds of them now. Like yeah. and I if if I listen to my own songs, I can't remember where half the sounds mm. come from. So yeah. if I can't, so you can't then yeah. how can no, anyone yeah, else? Yeah, 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 and you, and you yeah. Exactly. And I I've made it and I'm like yeah. oh, I want to find that sound again. I can't mm. remember what it is. I have to open the project open yeah. the contact, find which player it's in, find what the samples, it's, <laughs> yeah. it takes me forever. It's not going to yeah, be spotted no, by anyone. Nah, man. It's, it's the way. Like. Yeah. So in terms of your setup then, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're moving towards uh, how you produce and we're going to get an example from you basically. Okay. Um, but uh, so in terms of what you have now, what you moved to, what, what were your next things that you got? So, so are you still on PC? I'm still on PC. Still on PC. I still use Fruity Loops, but still on Fruity. I'm now on FL Studio 12. Yeah. Um, they've just released 20 and I'm, I'm looking into that uh, I just haven't got 
into doing that yet. I'm hearing a lot of good stuff about that. Yeah, yeah I, I, a friend of mine who literally won't move from 11 for years mm. is like, I'm like, just go to 12, you know. Well, he's scared it, of bugs, isn't he? It's not, no, do you know, it's not even that. I think I'm the same. For years, I was using 10. For years, I was using 8. Then for years, <laughs> yeah. I was using 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I went from 10 to 12, and that was the biggest leap yeah. of any that I'd done at that point. Mm. Because 12 was like, built for like retina displays and stuff. It's all mm. very visual. They dropped out certain um things that I was used to from the old from the really old ones that had been in all of these yeah, like the legacy yeah, yeah. blocks which was just a way of drawing patterns into the timeline basically which is a really old school way of mm. using Fruity Loops or FL Studio but now that I've got used to not using that by habit it made the jump from from 10 to 12 a lot easier yeah and the main reason I had to do it was a friend of mine in America wanted to collaborate on a song and he was using 11 and I'm like well if and then I think I, inst- I had 11 installed, but it was a previous version of 11. So I needed 12. I needed the most up-to-date version to open this collab file. And then I opened 12, was working on that. And then just without even thinking about it, I opened it, was working on it. I thought I'd start a new tune and just start a new tune in it. But by then my brain had stopped thinking, oh, I'll go back into 10 and mm. start a new tune. Like, you know where everything mm. is. I just thought, let me just set up. All it was was setting up the like the routine inside it yep. to show the program where my sample library is mm. where my vsts are once that was done it was not that different mm. from using 10 mm. but there's a lot more like um extra features and stuff mm. and it just looks a lot not cleaner i always find it weird going back yeah mm. and I then you're like now, where yeah. the fuck is everything yeah. no, i can't, I can't do I it this yeah, yeah. Like, what yeah. is this yeah it's like that definitely mm. weird, and it? so now yeah i've been using 12 and i've worked with an artist on my label and we've been collaborating on a completely separate project which is like like nothing either of us have worked on before it's kind of like housey but more like quite radio friendly actually just a bit of fun that has been going on for a year in the background and I'm always on him like got to work on 12 so that like we can both like work around the project once we're out of here Mm. but he's like nah not moving to 12 blah blah but he (laughs) sent me a message yesterday he's like I've just downloaded 20 have you seen this and I was like we, I've been saying for ages, both of us have so many VSTs now, like <laughs> yeah. absolute like terabytes of them. Yeah. Yeah. Literally any free VST, I've got it. Like, mm. yeah. I want to try it out, but I cannot remember for the life of me what's mm. what. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, what I need to do is rename my VSTs to like reverb this, reverb that, reverb this, mm. reverb that. So I know where all my reverbs are, all of this. And he's like, look at 20. You can literally put everything into its own category. So it, it, it's so massive. These screens are that. As well, right? And it's like, putting all of them straight into a category so you go like eq it's like uh, equalizers and, yeah, then, and then and then they're all like there five eqs yeah, yeah like, Mar- reverb Mar- ours, ours is a delay fucking mess like i can't remember where, like i've yeah. got plugins that are called like rx15 yeah. x2 yeah 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 what the fuck is that yeah cpd444 yeah i try and load it in and it's like this is an effects module what you're doing and it's like yeah yeah sorry yeah yeah so i'm just trying to find that old synth that i but this is but that's that's like the 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 argument for why you should use a certain door right yeah. As well, like I mean, because I use Ableton, I use Logic. I've used Logic from day because the first time I was introduced to uh, digital production was um, uh, watching Ben Zinc in the studio in the yeah. old Temper Studio. Mm. He's old Bingo Beat Studio, like the one in Brick Lane. Like, I, I literally mean, was yeah. in there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I remember sitting watching him, and then Genius, and I think I saw. Um, uh, oh, what's that headhunter like, yeah 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 like, like what's what Ramadan man yeah 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 like <laughs> them lot like I mean watching them like like just just fucking about in logic and I was like yeah like I think 
I think I can kind of see where to do shit. And like, you know, like I, I remember buying that and thinking, was that the right one to buy? And then phoning my mate going, how do I load a plug-in? Yeah. Like, how do I, how do I, how do I open a fucking instrument in here? These, like, these days, how do it I arm matter, this really. shit? It's more about like, yeah. knowing your way around it. Well, yeah. Like, All of them can work, do pretty much the same thing. Yeah, of course mm. they can. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, just knowing the workflow. Yeah, yeah. But and, it's, like, I worked in Logic the other week just to yeah. record some vocals and yeah. just trying to find like the shortcuts to like move something or like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'll be there for five minutes just trying to move like a block of audio over for like four bars without mm. it going out of time. Mm. And I'm like, oh, sorry, lads. Like, wait there a minute. Yeah. I'll, I'll get there in a minute. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not used to using an app, Apple Mac for yeah. production anyway. Mm. No. There was no engineering there, but I have done sessions on Logic with an engineer. So I've seen other people doing it. Yeah, exactly. I kind yeah. of know, you know, it's kind of self-explanatory when you're recording audio and not yeah. like yeah. trying to find your VSTs and stuff. So... Yeah, it took me ages to just literally like move bits around, like you know when you like double the chorus up, move the chorus into the parts of the song where it needs yeah. to be, yeah, and yeah. then just build the verses in there. It took me ages just to like move, like double, like yeah. copy and paste yeah. the chorus yeah, 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 in yeah. time. Still, like, if you know that shit, the shortcut's literally was, two buttons. If right? I was in FL <laughs> Studio, what we, we learned it would take <laughs> ten seconds. Yeah, of course yeah. it would. Of course. Yeah. So that's my argument. Like the people that like say, "Oh, you need to move on to this." Yeah, it's like, so no, it you don't. don't you really don't. No. Like, no. So long as you get the end product that you need it exactly. doesn't matter and exactly. uh, I've sat in I've done I've done a course on Ableton to try yeah figure that out because I'd seen people using it for like in a live setting and I was like oh maybe I'd like to learn how to do live like maybe use like Ableton in a like yeah. live electronic music sense and the only thing I still use Ableton for to this day and I've, I'm using mm. it less now because of Serato um, yeah. Serato's plugin which is really good as well um I only used to use it to stretch yeah. loops, mm. yeah, use yeah, 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 warp markers and mm. stuff like that. Because the BPM, the BPM like capability, like yeah, to like stick it to a BPM and then change the you parameters can on the actual move file. Little parts of any sort of loop, just there. Yeah, it's like, so easy. Like it, it's it, fucking it, well it, good. It just it would just like find the kicks and any kind of like sibilance in any yeah. any kind of sample, and you just get it to the BPM you need it at, move the bits in time. So you've got the drums and yeah, it's dope, man. Yeah, but, but again, but that's that's sort of what uh, I mean. As I said, I've said to you like before. It's like that. I used to use it for that, like export a file out of Logic, stick it in there, and then slam it back in because exactly, it, it just yeah. it looked in perfectly because Logic didn't have like that flex thing. Yeah. I still don't even use that flex thing. I, I, I you know what? I, I, I prefer uh, the human error yeah. element of. I mean, not quite dragging it, it in right. Yeah. yeah, but that's no, if you need it to fit. If, if it's got drums or like percussion in the background, yeah. like, it needs to be a bit tighter normally to fit yeah. in with what you've done. Yeah, but if you're just like putting in kind of like, mm. a, like in my case, a lot of the time, you know, it'll be like samples off of like kung fu movies mm. or something that would just be like an Erhu riff or yeah. like something like that. And and if there's no drums in it, you can keep it nice and yeah. loose. Yeah, yeah, but if it's got any percussion under it. You start putting tight. drums on top of it. It's like, oh, yeah. Nine times out of ten doesn't sound good. I'll float that into Ableton. Get the warp markers out. Move the bongos where they need to be in time with like a very specific drum mat, and then bounce that out and put it straight back into FL and, and close Ableton. Tight. It's done. That's done. It's done yeah. its job. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. So uh, yeah, now it's sort of the natural point of the uh, show where we'd like to hear how you made a specific track okay yeah, so yep. off of your um, most recent record which is Overdue which 2018. is out 2018 yep, I believe yep. uh, so we're going to go over Brexit Beats yes so we're going to play our listeners like 30 seconds or whatever of a few elements of the tune okay 
Um, so subject to your license. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're, you're allowed. Don't worry, I'll let you off. <laughs> you're not going to yeah. get a bill. We, right. we got that on tape. PRS. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> um, I just just sort of want to know how that tune come about. Uh, mm-hmm. Like literally down to the point of how you started it. Right. Um, what instruments, plugins you used, and all that sort of thing, and yeah, be as sort of geeky as you want about it, and then cool. how to roll out and everything that came of the tune as well, because we're aware of it. Sweet. Right? So, yeah. yeah. Jump in. We voted to come out of the European Union because a bunch of people kept telling us it was undemocratic and unaccountable. And we've now got a Prime Minister who nobody voted for. Not one person. And in terms of leaving the European Union, who are we going to hold accountable for that? Great. Great work, guys. Seriously. What a wonderful country to be part of. You lead us off a cliff and you disappear. Okay, so I actually started this track a long time ago. A lot of the stuff on that Overdue EP is stuff that I wrote since I started having kids, basically. So my eldest is nearly five, and I specifically remember writing this particular record when he would have been about... I'm trying to think now. He's probably about nine, ten months because he could get up on his feet. Yeah. Um, I remember... There's a video, it's still on my Instagram... um, of him in my studio, like with a big smile on his face, sitting on the floor, and <laughs> and it's just the bass line of the track mm. looping round, no beats. I'd still hadn't written the beat at yeah. that point. I think mm. the bass was the first thing. Um, and I'm like, do you like dancing? Like, come on, like dance. And he gets up and he sort of like has a little jig and then he falls <laughs> over. <laughs> so he was sort of at that age where he just got on his feet. But so I would assume that this was written around about the beginning of 2015 based on his age in that video Um, so yeah around about 2015 right at the beginning and I was listening to a lot of like drill and trap music Mm. and I wanted to make a song that had that kind of bass in it where like it's an 808 essentially but it kind of the pitch shifts up and down in it and it's cool it's just like I was trying I was just sitting down I got this really good um, contact plug in um, what was it called? I want to say it's called eight. Actually, it's called eight oh eight gods. Right. It's a contact um, plugin by a company called, and it will come to me. Big Works. Mm-hmm. Big Works. B I G W E R K S. They're really yeah. good for like hip hop, rap, mm. trap. 
Okay. Like they've got all the kind of like all the obvious sounds. If you wanted to make a really obvious drill or trap record, yeah. you go in there and yeah. the presets of like you the tunes made basically. Yeah. In some of mm. them plugins, it's literally like an entire riff. The bass, all of the really, really but the the eight oh eights in there are unreal. Really, yeah. they're really well tuned. They glide. They're clean. So you can play around with them a lot, and um, so the, the UI to sort of glide it then is that kind of like quite self-explanatory? So yeah, what, what, what? It, it's kind of on. It's almost like Portamento. So right. you can turn it like they, they've made these plugins so simple, mm. so that like your average bedroom producer can just like get straight in, yeah, nice. and get hands on with it without it being too complicated. Mm. It's pretty much essentially like it's a sound font really it's like it's got all these sound great font. AOA sound font I yeah. like that nice. yeah. Yeah. it's basically yeah, got yeah. all these great yeah. AOA yeah. sounds in it and all they've added to it really is kind of like a pitch glide mm-hmm. um, distortion unit mm. uh, what else is in there reverb you know the basic stuff yeah. but the sounds are that clean and that well recorded that you know you run a bit of effects for it the only thing I kind of add to it is a little bit of EQ a little bit of um, bass boost like some mm. really basic, maybe mm. my own reverbs and stuff like that. So I literally had spent some time on this program, just learning my way around, like all of the 808 presets mm. in it. And, and that's that, the 808. Is that like the sub hit, like the doom? It's basically yeah, the sub Exactly that. Exactly that part. Yeah, because that is just. I was saying to you before, man. I literally have listened to it about eight times today, just to kind of try and pick apart the different bits that you were doing. And I was just like, yeah, man. It did, the way that the, the snare sort of staggers into that. Yeah, It yeah. just works, man. It's really I, good. It was like, the, mm. that was it. And I think the snare... So, yeah, like, talking about, like, that whole drill and trap mm. scene as well, even going down to the snare, like, I was trying to write, essentially, in my head, like, my my kind of version of a drill record, if yeah. you like. Mm. So I was like, I need that kind of, like, bait drill snare. <laughs> I need that. <laughs> so I found out, I went on to, like, Reddit. I'm like, what? I'm, like, searching. <laughs> what is that? snare yeah. in every trap record yeah. like every drill record and I found like a, a forum on Reddit for producers mm. found a topic about it it was like oh it's it's the young chop snare if you can get hold of the young chop drum drum pack it's mm. snare 5 the young <laughs> chop snare 5 so I managed <laughs> to <laughs> no, I mean, so. mate I managed to find the actual Next sample level. pack online yeah uh, downloaded it and there you have it in the snares it's snare 5 Bosh. in the pack yeah. and I'm like oh, just, finally just got to it. interject right to anyone that wants to make music at yeah. this point you've been making music for fucking ages yeah yeah and you're still sitting there googling a specific sound yeah. and you manage to find it and you're using it just as a kid who's 15 that wants to oh, yeah, the yeah. same yeah. thing yeah why and not like that, that, if that isn't inspirational to make fucking music mm. I don't know what is like, if, it's all one and the same if anyone says they do any different they're lying they I'm are sure. lying <laughs> yeah. they are lying everyone does it like it, exactly if you're trying to find a sound what's the first thing you're going to do search google it like, yes exactly youtube it like, exactly you'll find it within minutes exactly rather than asking your mates 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 yeah you don't exactly. want to ask someone else who's used it either do you because that's just embarrassing <laughs> oh mate where'd you get your snare from yeah, especially <laughs> if it's your mate I'd you rather can't. do it in stealth <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I stealthily did it yeah, sample it and yeah found the snare yeah, and then cool. I was just like I've always had a thing for like snare rolls hat rolls all that mm. kind of stuff anyway so like when all that kind of stuff came into trap production I was already like there or thereabouts myself within my own production so I kind of like added my own twist on the kind of drum the drum uh drum loops a bit mm. but where the bass was already rolled I was like I really like the way that bass kind of like rolled like had a weird mm. it sounded like it was falling over itself so yeah. rather than use the snare like a snare I kind of brought that sound in 
almost the way I would use like a rim shot or something mm. like that. So, well, isn't it layered? There's yeah. Two, yeah, there's like yeah, a I've layered a snare and then there's like... So yeah, like, there's a snare with like a clap on it, top of it, yeah. which is like the main kind of... Um, the main kind of snare. Snap. And then yeah, that tick. kind of... That young chop snare, I didn't use it all the way through the record. It's kind of like comes at the end of some of the patterns. Like, yeah. like it kind of like has a mm. roll to it, like, um, like pitches up and down and... Mm. Yeah, I was... I. It, it just sat so nice with the beat. So I'm listening to the beat and I'm like, right, the, the drums are there now. With you got an 808 as hard as that, you don't need that much of a kick. You almost need the beginning of the kick. Mm. So I just went through like one, I've got so many samples of kicks on my computer. I think I just opened up a pack that was like pretty clean, like well, well recorded because the 808 was such a surgically clean recording of like straight out of a drum machine. Mm. The kick didn't want to be like something off of a vinyl record. It needed to be clean as well. Mm -hmm. But all I needed was that initial like snap of the first like sound on that kick. Mm -hmm. The 808 does the rest. Yeah, yeah, I just literally needed that first bit of the attack. So I opened through, went all my samples. I'm playing the bass and I'm just like hitting like down, down, like just going through (laughs) packs and packs until I'm like, that sounds like it's almost like you can't hear it. You just need that attack. So that was it. That the kick went in, the snares were in, the hats, you know, like very similar to the snares. Oh, the hi hat, man. The, the the arrangement of it though. The, yeah, and the, again, it's like staggered. Like, did, 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 yeah, did, there's did, quite a few patterns in this. What do you hats. do? Are you just cutting and and like dragging and drawing it in on, yeah, the, on I draw, the door? I draw it in like on the piano roll. So basically, as oh, if okay. you were playing it on a yeah. keyboard, and I draw it in. I don't play. Some people play it on like. Yeah. I've got an MPC. But I don't really use it. Yeah. Like it's there, it's part of my keyboard. So mm-hmm. I have like a MIDI keyboard which has a little MPC on it. Mm. Yeah. Um it's an MPK. Um I've yeah. only got twenty five, so it's only like two octaves, I think. Mm-hmm. Because I I do most of my writing, like I draw a lot of it in mm. by trial and error. Mm. Or like I might play it and look at it on the screen and mm. then go, right, that's that. Mm. And then I'll draw it in. Mm. And um like tidy it up. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just make sure like, I like things to be like I've never been a producer who's been that loose. Like, I like everything to be quite robotic with right, yeah. my production. So I'd rather. I'm totally the opposite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mine's yeah, loose as are. shit. But I like it though. It's yeah. like lazy. So, sometimes if I'm, making, like, if I'm trying to make like some like low slung kind of like lo fi hip hop kind of thing, yeah. like, I like things yeah. to sound like they're sampled. So mm. I'll draw them in all over the place. But I still draw them in yeah. rather than play them. Yeah. Just yeah, because, like, yeah. Yeah. If you're just off the grid, right? Yeah. It's like, like slightly fly, I mean, move yeah, them off. Flying yeah. Lotus production, man. Exactly. I like that sometimes. Or like a burial or something like that. Your burial, yeah, yeah. I mean, Fly Lotus, Ableton, right? He's an Ableton producer. But I mean, you would have thought it would have all been sort of like weird sampled MPC shit. But yeah, you can get that. You can get that sound by moving stuff around and having long patterns. Just don't quantize, right? Exactly. Keep everything. Yeah. So the hi-hats was just like that, going in, like, it's very similar to how I'd done the snare patterns, just going in, finding like the rhythm, finding yeah. where I wanted the hats to sit, like to keep the kind of energy. I didn't want the energy to be high. I wanted it to sound mm. dread, like wait, dark. Wait, is, yeah. it, is, is, did yeah. you retrofit Brexit to that sound? Or I did. did you go, I, like, you can't I started go the writing it and I was like, right, now I'm listening to the song and I'm like, because the kick was kind of like, almost like, the bell tolling or yeah. like, like it's just like yeah. it's just like a proper like 
it, it wasn't it, it's not supposed to make you dance it's no. kind of like mm. it sounds like, really dark yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm that far with the track and I'm like how can I make this darker <laughs> and you know it's around the time yeah. well, how can I go dark yeah. so I'm starting to build this track and like, now like for me right, tracks take a long time so I'll be working on this probably for months and months and months yeah. a bit at a time working on other stuff going back to that so I don't know how many months or years have even passed at the time where I'm starting to. Well, add. how how old is your kid now? Because you said he's he's gonna be five. All right, so so it just got released. It got released when he was four. 2018, yeah, he would have been. Yeah, it came out just before he turned four. So you're talking about three years. But it had been. I'd finished that track for a while, so I reckon it. I probably working on that track for eighteen months to mm. two years. There you like go, man. Bits at it, time. To, to be fair, though, I mean, I'm a bit of an audiophile, but you can hear it. Yeah, yeah. You know, what I mean, you can. Yeah. It takes it's time. Tight. I, I do awesome. take like a long time on things like that. I like to go back in and add new ideas and See, stuff like that. See, what's interesting, like again, sorry to cut cut in there, but like <laughs> with the way we've worked recently, is like we've we it took us it's taken us nearly two years to finish a, re- a whole album, mm. but every time it's been that go in clean up, go nah fuck set that off set that, and like proper give the love and attention to mm. the areas that need it. I think eighty percent is deleting shit. Oh yeah, yeah. Man. I don't finish a lot of music, so like. It, for me to finish something, it means I really like it. Yeah. So that whole overdue EP was called that because it had taken <laughs> I thought that. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did was you, so did, long to come out. Do you have to get someone that comes in and? Not like, really. Like I kind of like working that way. Like because mm. I am. I, I run my own label. I put out my own stuff. I don't have any pressure to like get stuff out. As much as I know, I should get more music out. Mm. I. It. Well, I wouldn't be happy with it. I mm. look back at times where like someone's like oh we need this for a track or a track for an EP or like can you do a production for that and I'm like yeah but like I don't listen to that music myself now whereas yeah. everything on that EP I listened to it for years already before it came out yeah. a lot of those some of those tracks are like four years old before they came out yeah yeah but that one in particular is one of the like later ones and like the Brexit was more like right it got to that point where so I wrote the intro sounds and the sounds on the intro are like from a really really old sample pack that like I used to like dig around in in the early dubstep days like I've had that sample pack for like 13 odd years and I knew that it was had some really good atmospheric like um, textures in it and I was like I just need something that sounds like eerie and like it doesn't it doesn't need to be melodic it just needs to create suspense or ambience like yeah type. just yeah. something that makes you feel like Something's mm. going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Like Brexit. So, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, by, this time, by this time, I kind of know that where I'm going with it. I think Brexit's ha- happened by now. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a nice time to like be a Londoner. Mm. Or, no. It just felt like shit. Mm. And I was like, this track makes me feel dread. And like, mm-hmm. and I felt like maybe I wrote it because that was just the mood I was in mm. when I started writing. That's naturally the, the notes that I played and... I'm looking now to make it even darker. I'm mm. constantly like, how do I make this sound more horrific and <laughs> dreadful? Yeah, uh, it's funny you say, man. I'm, I'm a big uh, Tom York fan. Yeah, yeah. Right, so I'm. You have to be from that school a little bit if you're going to yeah, be a yeah, fan yeah, of that do. kind of thing. And I, I absolutely get it. Um, just, it, it's amazing how you can produce something like that and then think, how can I get it dark? <laughs> like, I just wanted to make it feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I, like, and, and actually. The way that Brexit feels, right? Yeah, exactly. Which is when, like, we're talking about those kind of like pitched uh, yeah, subs, like and the then bit. the staggered yeah. snare it kind of throws you out, there's loads and the of whole extra... of Brexit throws you out. So that's it. And not getting like political. Loads, loads of extra little bits of like layers that got added through mm. time after the Brexit sample. So once I got to that point, I'm like, right, I need 
a Brexit sample. So I'm like searching like, I know like I listened to LBC and that. I didn't think even think at the time about sampling James O'Brien, but mm. I'm searching like Brexit quotes, blah, blah, blah. And James O'Brien pops up and I'm like, let me listen through some bits. And I listened to loads of bits of James O'Brien and it was just this monologue and he's just like moaning and he's just like, you know, we've got like a prime minister no one voted for, mm. you know, like, and, and and where's David Cameron amongst all this? And it's just like all this stuff. And I'm like, there's gold in this. I can hear it. Like, <laughs> yeah. how do I piece this together? And then like at the end of this monologue, it's like, great, great work, guys. Mm. Mm. You know, you lead us off a cliff and then you disappear. And I'm like, Fucking brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like I've gone there and I put it in and I'm like, it didn't sound it still didn't sound dark enough. So I'm like, pitch it down and yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it sounds now it sounds demonic. What, what, did, <laughs> like, what did you use to pitch it? I literally if I'm not mistaken, I think I just pitched it inside the sampler in FL. I oh, okay. don't think I put that into any specific mm. oh, okay. outboard. I just pitched it and I probably added a bit of delay to it and like yeah. so there's a little bit of effects and EQ on it to like take some of the bass out because once you pitch down you know yeah, yeah, everything's yeah, like yeah. muddy and I was like it was alright because there was no bass in that part of the tune until mm. like the bass did kick I think in like the second eight mm. um, of the, the intro mm. but um, it just sounded it reminded me of old jungle records and yeah, stuff like that yeah. and mm. I was like I just it, remi- it just took me somewhere I was just mm. like it's kind of near where it needs to be now now we've got the intro done we've got all of that atmosphere going on We've got the main build of the track, but then now I just like now the track needs the story. It needs to continue. It mm. can't just be a great intro and mm. like the, this interesting bit of dread. I'm like, how do I like interesting bit of dread? Yeah. <laughs> Album what number? Nick in that one. Yeah. So yeah, I just like <laughs> then I started thinking like, oh, how can I make it feel? I wanted to make it feel uncomfortable, so I start adding these kind of like. Um, pan left and right kind of like screechy sort of like oh yeah yeah I meant to ask oh, you about yeah. that actually what like the fuck down. is that it's thing? like a, it's like it's like a I think it's like a um, almost like a like a Gaelic kind of like chorus like yeah like, oh. like, but, but like, then like d- like reverbed out, out and yeah, stuff yeah like uh, put a bit of phase on it it's, and then it's, it's horrifying it down and it's like <laughs> and then like pan it left and right and then that one that you're yeah, yeah that, 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 that like it's kind of horror movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. feels like when everything goes to shit in a horror film, like I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight like, in the that pit. That moment of, like, clarity that mm. shit we're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. like you're, you're going down. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, this is it. Sucked into the vortex. So, shit. I was like, that That was what that was. I was like, yeah, this is like, that. that's that moment of, like, the hairs and the hairs in your arms to stand up now. And, yeah. Oh, this, something sinister. Like, this isn't, yeah. It's not nice. So that was that. that I'm like, now I'm really happy. It's got all these sounds going on. It doesn't feel comfortable. Some of the notes in that don't sit quite right, mm. which is what I wanted, like, mm. to create that Discordant discomfort. Type. Yeah. A little bit like, oh, not, is that in? I'm not sure if that's in tune anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, on purpose to make it just feel just a bit uncomfortable. Mm. A, not easy listening. Mm. And then obviously it goes into the breakdown and the kind of Brexit sample comes in again, but it's a different part of it. Yeah. It's just like, you know, seriously, well done, guys. Mm. What, what a wonderful country to be part of. Mm. Like, mm. And then back into the sort of back end of the track. Mm. And that, that was it, really. The track off beyond them was just sort of like build, built itself into a close. And 
that was pretty much it. Um, did you then, feel done with it when it was done, or do you still yeah, feel like really you need like, to go back and do some? No, like, do you know, I really like. I still play that out a lot. I, yeah. There's a lot of my own music that I don't enjoy playing out. Yeah. But that's almost like the perfect intro record in like a dark club. I'm fucking glad we picked that tune like, then, man. I rang Warren today. I was like, dude, it's got to be this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I, I was, I'm always vying for intensive stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I was like, no, 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 no. This is the track. Is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, nice. It, I think like... Still... There's yeah. something about it, like as well. It really, it, it's a, it's a palate cleanser. If you're playing yeah. after a DJ who's like gone playing all the big tunes at the end of this, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You yeah. just start my set and let's just set the tone. Yeah, <laughs> boom, yeah. doom. Like this is the beginning of something completely different. We're all We're going fucked. down to 120 BPM <laughs> half time. Yeah, man. It's gonna be fucking dread for a minute. Like, <laughs> just, like, but if the system's good, it goes. It, you know, like, it's uh, like whoa, like yeah, that first yeah. bass like note hits in yeah. it literally goes through the whole room yeah man and it's like whoa what is this I've got to come and see when, when's the next time you're playing that I'm probably I'm thinking now I think I'll probably be in like a festival setting so it might not have yeah. quite the impact yeah. unless it's a night time two in the morning yeah. at Glastonbury yeah. <laughs> that would be too bad yeah you want like the six in the morning set really like, Mate, I, still can, I can't somewhere. carry a record right. yeah. bro, just to hear that like, yeah, yeah. but yeah I think Give like you know like a, a nice basement venue like I'd almost put a gig on myself to do that kind of thing I yeah. think uh do one here at the court. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Put me like just turn the lights Co- off downstairs and yeah, cocktails and shock out. Put a function one in there. Right. <laughs> yeah, mate. Here comes an interesting moment of dread. Yeah. <laughs> Clear the bar. Hendrix out. once played <laughs> the stage. You know? He did it all. He's dead now. He's Boom. dead now. Boom. <laughs> yeah. So it's a uh, no, yeah. It's, 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 it's it's good. It does it does the, a great job of uh, creating an atmosphere. And um, yeah, I, I'm still very pleased with it. And then the fact that like I think when it came out we were getting tweets and people were tagging James mm. O'Brien in it I'm like I'm going to get a PRS claim coming in did he say anything he, he retweeted it was like this is incredible but oh, I got, went on go, the radio man. the same day and played it on his yeah, show yeah man on a talk show and <laughs> there's a video online I think like there was talk of like banning alcohol at airports and stuff like people getting drunk like Brits abroad all this yeah. and a DJ phones up and he's like you know I'm a DJ I travel and he's like oh you DJ like would I know of your stuff? And he's like, oh, probably not. You know, I'm, I'm, my name's Bondax. And he's like, Bondax? Yeah, you know, I know your album. Blah. And he's like, oh, you know who we are? Yeah. He's like, yeah, of course I know. And he's like, actually, let me stop you there. Do you know about Plastician? And he's like, yeah, I do actually. And he's like, you heard his new, uh, his new track, Brexit Beats. And then he literally just played it, like cuts, <laughs> cuts him in. Yeah. And, and there's a video online of James O'Brien sitting there really free. Yeah. <laughs> like, I need to rip it off and like put yeah, it on you my do. Insta, but it's, it's yes, so mate. good, yeah. yeah but right. he's, yeah, he's really pleased with uh, it. That would make a good video. Did you do a video for that track? I didn't, know, Mate, there's it, your video. Do you want to do a video for yeah. that Yeah. <laughs> you just got your video, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's incredible, the clip that I do. Yeah. Like, big up yes, James mate. O'Brien if he's, if he's listening, like... I owe you a little PRS check. Yeah. It's probably yeah, only mate. about twenty quid's worth, but you know right. that's that's uh, enough, music. Mate. That's music royalties for you. These that's days. It. Yeah, <laughs> that's life. another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My last check was about nine quid yeah. for, for four years. So, Don't get yeah. me started on that. Happy yeah. days, man. <laughs> so um, okay, cool, man. I mean, it's, it sounds that that the journey of that track is like it's exactly what it's about. It's I, idea to career, and it like it got out there. People heard it. So fuck, it's the way, man. Mm. So. I think our final sort of part on this podcast is going to be um, for the aspiring producers. There's a couple of questions, really. Um, you got a grand left on a budget. You just moved to London. Right. 
Nowadays, bear in mind, not when you started. Like okay, now, yeah, now, right. yeah. now, now, right? So you you, you <laughs> yeah. need to buy three things okay. with a thousand pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you get? So, do you go to a recording studio and spend it there on your, I, with your guitar? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's not a bad shout, I guess. But you wouldn't get too. It many could be anything, though, yeah. anything you want. A grand, I think. On specifically if I need three items, something I would probably get. I'd need a computer. Yep. Um, my current computer was quite pricey, actually. It was a gaming PC. But um, you could probably do music on something. I, I reckon for about for about 400 quid, you could mm-hmm. get a pretty decent home desktop PC, which would run some basics. So I'd spend 400 quid on a computer. Yep. Um, I would... I Basically, I'd want a computer, a sound card, and some monitors. Right, um, yeah. Whether or not I'd be able to get all of that within a grand, but I would say that... Like, well, like, yeah, you can get a second hand here too, right? Okay, so, right. So you let's have, yeah, I would options, say they're, they're right? the three things that I would need, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd get a, a cheap sound card, I don't know, like uh, maybe like just like a Focusrite or something like that. Yep, um, yep. And yeah, whatever monitors I could get with the money left. I, I, I actually like, really like the Yamaha um, mm-hmm. for the price range. I think they're brilliant. Um, I think for about... For, I'm about to probably buy a set for my like DJ setup at home. Mm-hmm. So I think they're about 400 quid. So I reckon 400 quid on right, the Yamaha's, yeah, 400 quid on the L- little little computer. focus, right? Yeah, yeah, like I think you could probably get that those three things within a grand. Yeah, if you shop around. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'd say those those three. Nice. I don't think a, a keyboard is like completely essential if you're a computer producer. No. You can play keys on a QWERTY keyboard if. Well, if I did it. I did it for years. You've done it yeah, for years. I draw exactly. most of it in with my mouse. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I'd say I could get on with. I could record most of. Mm-hmm. I could record something with that set. You know, exactly. we, we we could make a podcast out of what each each, each recording something out of the three things we picked <laughs> mine, mine was garage band a decent mic and a sound card i think it was so so you'd have to get like a second hand mac. you'd have no computer yeah well no 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can't buy a garage band without oh, getting yeah. a mac right? yeah, so, yeah, true, yeah, true. yeah 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 uh, mine was a banjo some toilet roll yeah and, uh, and, a, and yeah. a gram of uh, what was it what? Gra- uh, a fa- this, gramophone, gramophone. This is, that's getting cut, that's immediately getting cut out of his fucking <laughs> just a fucking clarifying um, staying in right hold on <clears throat> so you've got your stuff so now three three tips for a new producer right you, you think you've got the ideas okay. now you've now got the kit What's the free tip? So I can go back to a producer who um, hit me up a few years ago and I decided that his music was that good that yeah. I wanted to kind of... I, I thought I might want to get into like management. So I thought, what would I do if I was a producer who had never released any music? Because he had nothing even public on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. But he sent me this incredible music. Yeah. And I was like, as soon as your music goes on SoundCloud, you're going to have arsehole managers queuing up to waste yeah. your time yeah. and like try and manipulate you. So I just wanted to be the non-arsehole who would like just show him how to do it himself so what I did with him was I think it's very important these days if I was doing it myself this yeah, is what I yeah, do yeah. Um, visual identity right mm-hmm. something that I wish I had um, when I started out wasn't something that people thought about because we weren't visual we were just on vinyl or mm. on pirate radio you need a visual identity whether that means like you have a certain style you like your artwork looks a certain way in his case I was like you know like, what, do, what do you think your music looks like you know, it sounds like this. Mm. What are, you, are, you, are, you, are you talking like um, so I, a YouTube channel or something? No, or what? Like it wasn't even that for him. I, just was I, like, I was like, if your music comes out, it's, it sounds quite cinematic, and mm. I really How like it. it. I was like, 
So have what, a visual representation. What, yeah, what are you like? When what inspires you? And it was like, in his case, he really liked anime and eighties cars and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like, right. So if we're gonna have a running theme on all of your music, you know, like if you look at the gorillas as a perfect example. Yeah, of, like, of course. Well, everyone, visual, you don't yeah, even need to. If you see that, it's like that's gorillas. You see that artwork, it's like oh, straight away I want to listen to that. It's mm. gorillas. Mm. Don't need to see. Yeah, it, it could literally yeah. have no writing on it. Just a character. It's like that's a gorilla's release. That's like something that I would love to have. Mm. So the visual identity for him was like, right, you like this. So I went about finding an artist who specialised in eighties style anime, and it was like, right, can you design some characters? Oh, wow. Do this, and we literally created that's a visual cool. identity for him. So Amazing. I would that's say cool, visual man. identity is great. Yeah. It allows people to, if your music's good enough, straight away. Obviously, like you build. Yeah. It, it, they take it more seriously if it looks as good as it sounds and recognise it too. yeah before they've heard it it's so like we were saying earlier so hard to stand out yeah. so what do people see if anything is your artwork yeah yeah. if they're seeing if they hear a bit of your music they're also going to see your art yeah. hopefully mm. um, I don't know where they would I mean even on Spotify they can kind of have a look at the art you know mm. yeah well Instagram is Instagram, about that Instagram, first and foremost yeah, it's visual exactly. you hear right you've got to um, click in to listen so in, in the time <clears throat> we were on SoundCloud and it's all on the stream and you know everything just looks cheap and quick yeah. no one was that bothered about what the, the no, art they weren't. No. it was just like bang any picture up on the upload I was like no you know if your music's going to stand out and people are going to be you're going to be recognisable on that stream that comes in 20 odd thousand tracks a day mm. people want to be able to spot your artwork it needs to pop out of that stream oh that's one of his um, so the artist I'm talking about is a guy called Clacy Jones okay. yeah. um, check his stuff out that was my next but, question yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah like his stuff looks a very specific way yeah. And I would say that. Did you manage to get the eighties? You said the eighties yeah, cars. Yeah, we got the very eighties. Eighties cars style. and anime. It's like all hand drawn. It looks. That sounds cool. It man. looks like a, it looks like a comic strip. Yeah. And, and you know, let's get to the point now. He's maybe four or five EPs deep, and people love like they buy prints of his artwork. Yeah, oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. It's nice. that interesting to them, and they. No, that's that's fucking the awesome. The comments on his work are like, oh, the art always like really like tells yeah. the story of your but, music, and it, but and that, that's like something you have to think about like yeah. the, thing is, the thing is the thing is as as, a, as as an electronic artist it's the, th- the one thing that rock and roll never had to worry about yeah, it was yeah. always like, like Liam Gallagher is fucking Liam Gallagher yeah, yeah. right so, so as an electronic, electronic artist, artist you need to have that yeah. and it, it's such a weird and he hates comprehension, social media right? and all this and he's yeah like, but everyone does everywhere. So everyone's like, oh, like I mean the, the post burial mm. right it was a, it was a, a popular a popular thing mm. right uh, but it worked for him, obviously. It worked for him, but the problem was what a lot of people don't realise is Burial was on MySpace. Yeah, mm. I know, right? He was, yeah, on MySpace, he was on MySpace, but um, yeah. MySpace That's died, true. and he got not, he was done with all the rest of it. And it by then, Steve, he's, he's um, big enough to not need to be on it. Yeah. The label kind of like managed the communications between his fans and the label. Co- code nine, yeah, right? code nine. Yeah. Um, and and Casey was similar in that, but I was like, you're going to have to engage a little bit with social media. You don't have to like post what you've eaten for breakfast, but have accounts yes. that people can follow you mm. on and I think that's probably important as well yeah cool as much is that as you, number two then so is that number I would two? say into number social, two. Social as much as visual visual you, you can be you have to be on social media I think um, mm-hmm. you don't have to be that you don't have to be not be yourself on it what do they um, call them influencers don't they you don't have to be yeah you don't have to try and fit in with what everyone else is doing yeah. but you do have to post up what you're doing because promoters from my perspective anyway you know, if you if you get if you want gigs and you want to get gigs and stuff, promoters want you to help promote that show. Mm. If you're not on social media and you're not shouting about it, they're not going to book you again. But the thing is about social media that I don't like is um, the fact that people judge your 
the, the quality of the work that you've done mm. or, or whatever Body based on how many followers. Yeah, right. Yeah. So if you've just like, so, okay, look, look at Broken Bricks, for an example, doesn't have any social media right now because it's so new that it's not out of mastering and we haven't even got around to doing that bit yet. And when we do, someone's going to arrive at that so that, that Instagram profile and see one follower, two followers, yeah, five yeah. followers, and eventually it'll build, right? I think, But th- I think there's a judgment that's cast. I think against, there is a little bit, but mm. I think if the music... It, has its merits people will just take it for face value and i think like this is the thing i've been saying to him a lot is like don't feel like you have to be on it mm. but you, you just have to have a place where people can message you you know mm. be speak on to be seen a little bit but not he's hardly on it like he mm. he replies to tweets but mm. he doesn't often tweet his own he doesn't put any opinions online like i do doesn't sit there posting about like he's a west ham fan doesn't post anything <laughs> about football do you know what i mean like no. I do think being on social media to some extent, I wouldn't say it's like, I think like, I mean, it's annoying because this shouldn't be a tip. Mm. It, like, no. I hate social media, mm. but it's unfortunately one of them things that I have to engage with mm. on a day-to-day basis. And the more I listen myself to like podcasts and read articles about, you know, and I work in a company where statistics mean a lot mm. but they don't mean a lot in artistic booking sense you know like I'm lucky that like that's my job in this company is to tell them what I think is good mm. and and that is based off sound not by mm. reach mm. or influence followers, followers. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. and it's more about doesn't matter you know they might have this many followers now but that's because no one knows who they are yet mm. give them five years they're going to be great like, and I'm lucky to have built a, a reputation through the label and as a DJ to someone who like has had a lot of wins in the 15 odd years that I it's it's like trusted mm. but I think that being on social media even just a little bit even just I think at the bare minimum just expect that you're going to have to promote your shows yeah. and your releases yeah. but you don't have to engage more than that but mm. do make sure that your fans <coughs> who have already clicked follow because they care about you yeah. and they do care about you as well like I heard a, I listened to a great podcast of someone who said made this point and this is a great stat as well um, a thousand followers who will buy your music right the buying model versus the uh, streaming model mm. if you've got a thousand people who will pay £10 for your album um, only a thousand that are that engaged with who you are and like your music that much that they believe that paying £10 for your album maybe on somewhere like Bandcamp mm. is going to benefit you and allow you to create more music that they're going to enjoy you know if you engage enough with them they're going to be compelled to pay that £10 because mm. they like you they mm. want they love your music they like you they're more willing to mm. pay out for it plus they don't feel like they're getting ripped off by the big Exactly. label exactly yeah. so as an independent artist if you've got if you give a thousand people who are willing to pay £10 for your album it's the same as a thousand people listening to your album every single day on Spotify five times a day <laughs> for a year yeah Holy no shit. one does yeah. that even your yeah. biggest yeah. fan yeah. does not do that no fucking hell man so That's... if you can find a thousand people to do that and yeah. I feel like engaging with your audience to some extent on social media will mm. get you to that thousand a lot quicker mm. than not being on there. Mm. Just it, what what about that the, the, the patron model? You know, where yeah, you, you I get... like I like the idea of that. I've, I've, it's still a bit untested in my mm. experience. Mm. Um, I like I thought about it, but I feel like the only problem with that is it becomes a bit of an echo chamber. Mm. You know, okay. like you're waiting for paid subscribers, whereas mm. like the good thing about being on Spotify, in a sense, as much as the money's crap. 
it's a good place for people to discover you. Yeah. But yeah. the sales model is great for an independent artist, right? Mm. If you can build a solid base of people who will adopt the sales side, the sales side, everyone looks at like Beyonce. It's like, oh, Beyonce gets, look how much she earns from Spotify. Mm. You can't compare yourself <laughs> to Beyonce. Yeah, yeah. Plus, no. people like that cut their own deals with You with could Spotify, literally, right? if you, you, artists can get 20,000 streams on Spotify yeah. and will earn less than if they sold two albums on Mancamp. Mm-hmm. And that's true. Yeah, yeah, that is not a that's joke. That's true. Mm. Yeah. You get twenty thousand. Well, that's what Taylor Swift was saying, mm. right? Yeah, like, it's, it's not worth, whole, it's not worth nothing. But you've got to engage with it. You've got to be on Spotify because mm. not being on it could. Well, yeah, you won't get. Fa- you might not get yeah, found. Yeah. Yeah. So you build. Like, you, you, you know, you you get discovered on Spotify. People mm. care about you that much. They're going to f- search for you on Twitter. And if your Twitter's like, go buy it on Bandcamp. It helps me a lot more, guys. Thanks for you. Thanks for you. Still do it. And then bang! All of these people that found you on Spotify suddenly going on your Bandcamp, paying ten quid for your album, buying your merch. Mm. But finding out where you're touring and I think the sales model is so good for especially for electronic musicians who are not like mm. faces yeah. who are not mm. like interesting characters you know they're kids who want to sit indoors and make beats yeah. Yeah. that's fine you can be that guy okay. but just be take on the sales model mm. be on Bandcamp and just direct people there from your socials from your SoundCloud mm. Even from your Spotify, if it's possible, Maybe get them not. all back. And is it is Bandcamp the one? Bandcamp's great because the money lands in your straight account to you. straight away, right. yeah. straight into. PayPal. You got to set up a pro account for that. Uh, like no, a, it's no? free. Oh, get a PayPal, get a Bandcamp, done. And yeah, I mean, like I run a label. Mm. Everything I do, I direct people straight there. We've got over five thousand customers on Bandcamp. Oh, nice. Yeah, which is great across yeah. the whole label. But yeah. most of my which business, is Terrorism. Yeah, through right? Terrorism. Of course. Yeah. So yeah, the majority of the money we get these days comes in through Spotify and Bandcamp. Mm. Um, but Bandcamp is your core. Mm. That's people mm. who come back every time you release something. Yeah. And will buy it without listening to mm. it. They're yeah, just like yeah, yeah. they want to support the label. They want to see you release more music. Mm. And specifically for like Clacy Jones as an example. You know, like they buy merch. They mm. they buy it. They buy before they've heard it. Like mm. yeah, man. we put up the release, and you can't even hear it anywhere. <laughs> He'll sell like fifty pre-sales before anyone's oh, nice. heard it, just because people can't wait. To yeah, hear they it. want to invest. They see the art. They're like yeah. they read the like backstory on this is the kind of idea behind this. It's mm. conceptual. Like here's the art. Have a little look here. You know, yeah, this yeah, is the like, story behind it. Mm. This is where I'm at in my career. Thanks so much for your support on Bandcamp. Bang. 50 sales in a week before anyone's even heard it so is that number three then so we had the visual social media and then the sales model sales model adopt the sales model is that the three as a beginner is uh, as much as you'll read all these things you've got to be on Spotify got to be on YouTube Yeah, Mm. you kind of do but really and truthfully I think Bandcamp is amazing for artists to just be on and not just that like your friends and family mm. send them there yeah your mum's gonna buy it on Bandcamp. Yeah. Your, your auntie's gonna buy it on Bandcamp. like mm. bang you've already earned more money than you're gonna see on spotify for your first couple of releases without yeah. a doubt yeah, yeah and that money's in your account within minutes of it going live you know right. like someone buys it it lands in spotify by the end of the uh, spotify on paypal by the end of the day so it gives you liquidity mm. that allows you to reinvest in the next project very quickly mm. and as a label owner that is like very important yeah, and as yeah. a musician as well if you get signed to a label for example you're not even getting accounted to until no. six to eight months after exactly. release like no. maybe exactly. more so as a label boss where where are you at with physical um i used to do physical for years mm. um i stopped the distributor i was using went into liquidation i lost quite a bit of money mm-hmm. um and 
at that time was the same time we were going from like physical to to iTunes, you know, like digital mm-hmm. downloads and the money changed drastically and it was like course, yeah. shit, like what's the point? I can't see and we were like we'd lost so many record shops as well. So Okay. We yeah. were we, we landed on stock that I couldn't shift mm-hmm. and I'm like put it on Bandcamp and see if we sell it. But you know, yeah. it's stuck in my garage. Yeah, you know, yeah, I yeah. don't know what to do with it. We've got I haven't got enough shops to distribute got, to. Yeah. But you got grime thing. stuck in your garage. You yeah, pretty much, yeah. Like, <laughs> need to miss the muscle, yeah. But that said, again, like going back to Bandcamp, we've done, since all that happened and I have been set on releases, I kind of like moved away from the, um, the physical model quite mm. a bit and just focused on just making sure music was available mm. and putting stuff out trying to like bring my costs back so that like I wasn't spending loads of money on releases mm. like pressing the vinyls like a grand at least um, these days I'm trying to like spend less and less do more work on it myself like cut out all of the like paying for PR paying for radio plugin mm. paying for like all that kind of stuff it's just like know how to do that yourself yeah. mm. and you can save a lot of those initial outpayments yeah. you know I still pay for mastering and, and artwork you do that I still do. Why? Yeah. What What's important about mastering to you as, as a, an like, electronic producer? Because isn't it already? I just like having a professional set of ears on it that who just right knows. And it, it came I agree. Me, by the way, I just wanted to. Yeah, hear you. Like, yeah. I think yeah, yeah. What it was for me was in 2009, I did a release on Trouble and Bass, which I mentioned earlier as well. Um, and I spent so long because it was the first time I'd released on someone else's label in, mm-hmm. in the digital age. I spent so long mixing these tracks down before I sent them. It was like, mm. here's the finished versions. Because I didn't know what they were going to do. You can hear something so many times, you, you become yeah. kind of accustomed to it so much so you want somebody yeah, else to... Yeah, I got it to that point where I pretty yeah. much in my head mastered it as close as I could to having mm. like a professional master. And sent it to them. And uh, they was like, oh, here's your masters. And I was like, oh, you got mastered, sweet. And uh, I, I literally listened to it and was like wow who did this because I spent weeks getting it to where it was and he's just taking it to the next level mm. and they were like oh it's this guy get in touch with him his name's Robin at, uh, I may as well give him a plug yeah, Robin, yeah, yeah. Go, yeah. Go Robin at Pure Focus mm. Mm. 2009 this was and he's mastered every single thing that I've nice. put out since Nice. And he's cheap as well, so um, check <laughs> yeah. him out. Cheap oh, Robin, yeah. cheap, cheap. It's like cheap but Robin. Do you, know what, uh, do you know what it is as well? Like, without, like I've got some, a, fr- a friend of mine that's a, an amazing master and engineer, or friends of two of them. Like they're, they're fantastic, and uh, they're not expensive. Like oh, they've got our record at the moment for mastering, and like they're they're not. It's not ridiculous amounts of money. It's mm. like 30, 40 quids. Yeah. Stem masterings, like score a stem. Do you know what I mean? It's like. Right, but they're they're fucking good. Like yeah, they do really films good. and that. Like exactly. they're amazing, and they're not taking yeah, so a piss. That is Spider Man or something. Right? Yeah, yeah, something like, like the, the new Spider Man film yeah. or that. Yeah. But but they're, but they're like they're not they're not taking the piss out of people. No, they they, they know what they've got to give to certain tracks. And like if your production's up there, be fair as well. If your production's shit, then the sort of people turn around and go, look, this That's needs. Not a lot I can do with that. Yeah. No, no, yeah, this, mm. this needs a lot more work for mm. us to make it what it is. Oh so, mate, don't get me wrong. I, but I've like, sent stuff through the label where like I've signed young kids and you know yeah. like trying to get a pre-master out of them is like I'm not sure what that means mm. and still comes out compressed like it looks like a sausage <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 outboard has yeah. got so yeah. much like 20 yeah. plugins on it so so I just turn it down and yeah. fuck all on it it's just fine you take yeah, all yeah, of that yeah, compression yeah. off the master yeah. and just bounce that yeah just bounce and, like, it is out of the tracks yeah. he'll just bring it up and uh, yeah so we've had that from him sometimes where we come back and be like I can't do a lot with this mm. it's always yeah. but um, 
he's done stem mixes for us as well yeah, and yeah. like I just for me it's like that peace of mind that like sometimes I'll do what I know in my yeah. studio sounds great and then I'll play it out in the club I'm like oh that bass wasn't mm. what I thought it was yeah yeah Whereas I give it to him and every time I play one of his masters out, I don't need to worry. It's mm. always going to bang. And it's mm. gonna, yeah. I've never listened to one of his masters in a club playing out and been like, oh, that, that don't sound right. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got a bit more knowledge than maybe That's, I have. But in this that is bit. it, isn't it? So like, even with other people's music, no matter like that classy artist we've been speaking to, he's, he's, a, he's, mm. he's like, he's very like, his mixes are incredible. Yeah. And his masters are great. But there's still a part of me that's like, can we just send it to Robin? Just yeah, just to get that, <laughs> yeah. just just to get that gloss. Just yeah. to yeah. Like gloss. play it yeah. out and it's yeah. not quite there. Yeah. I know that he knows yeah. exactly what needs to be where, mm. you know, almost yeah. mathematically. Mm. Yeah, we'll exactly. know that it's going to be fine. And it's it's because it's because we're creatives yeah. and they're more mathematicians. Yeah, you know it's, like, I mean? it's like they're, they're, the, they're the ones that look at the sonics in a different way. Like in that. Robin's case, I've never met him face to face. He lives in Canada. Oh, right. He just did such a good job of that EP I released. I was like, I'll send you the next yeah, one yeah, and I was come back again and I'm like Bang. I'm just gonna I put so many people onto him as well like, yeah, I know yeah. so many people that use him and he's a reliable he like turns shit around in days like yeah, exactly. I'll be like oh can I get this for the weekend and they'll be like when you know I can get this Bang. one for you tonight and which one which one do you need like right mm. now he's like I'll work on this one straight away get it to you for the yeah. evening and I'll get the rest of it over by the weekend it's nice. like that's, that's I need like years and years and years of running labels you come across like flaky people mm. who like hold yep. up your projects mm. so every time you get a good reliable one you're like this guy mm. like you keep that keep you keep them close to you always yeah. always yeah. so like always. I've got artists who make artwork that I'm like I need art I know that I'm, they're going to charge me this much and I'm going to have it by the weekend mm-hmm. and if I don't like it they're going to send me more ideas and it's not going to be a problem mm. but like even in an artist sense, like I normally kind of go to an artist because I like their art already. So mm. even when I go to someone for artwork, they'll be like, "What do you want?" And I'm like, "Have a listen of it." You, mm. you know, yeah, that's, come on, that's it. I want yeah. you to make what you think, mm. like yeah, you know. Way. And I've got like three or four artists who like provide art for the label now, and one specific artist who works with Placey who mm. like only works with him. But they all do a good job, and it's just like finding. This is talking about like you know mm. the process of like finding. Mm. that uh, self-sustainability mm. a big part of that is all of your external that you can't control yeah yeah. you need to be able to rely on them Get trustworthy, people. trustworthy people surround yourself by them surround yourself by trustworthy people mm. people that you can rely on and you'll be good like, mm-hmm. and if they and if they're affordable and I think Even that's something like keep your <laughs> yeah. cheap cheap reliable cheap, geniuses cheap, cheap, reliable. Yeah, like, <laughs> best artwork can work within your means as well you know <laughs> you've got to work within your means all the time like I know people that spend like 500 quid on artwork and I'm like, man, you know, it's going to take you six years to earn that back in streaming <laughs> yeah. or whatever, yeah. Like, yeah. making the kind of music that you are mm. without yeah. like, what's the point? You know, be honest with yourself. Like, yeah. where's your, what's your target market? What's like mm. the absolute top end of that doing? Mm. Can you actually afford to pay 600 quid for artwork and a grand for mastering? Like, mm. no. And, <laughs> no. You know, you're just doing digital downloads. No. You, yeah. you don't, you're not gigging. But mm. I see labels that do it like they're happy to take a loss on it and I'm like that's cool if this is just a hobby mm. but if you want this to be a, a life oh, yeah. a work sustainable, a career, sustainable make career. sure you're yeah. just not losing money yeah, so yeah, even yeah. if you're just earning a little bit each release yeah. build that up build a massive before you know it you've got a catalogue of 300 releases mm. that are earning 10 quid a month like that all cover Fine. rent yeah great yeah. I think that's a good place to it's a up. lovely place to end Chris yeah. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure talking yeah, to mate, you. Likewise. Thank you so much for, for taking the time out, man. Yeah, man. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, definitely. The fun jets are coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not editing it. I'm scared. <laughs> Quite scared. I'm scared. <laughs> Saw you in LA, mate. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> getting fucking edited. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sweet man. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Cheers. Yes, mate. Big up. And that was it. You've just listened to the first episode of Through the Door podcast. I'm so happy and elated that we've made it. We actually did. Thank God. So, we got there uh, in the end, despite the wine. <laughs> so much wine on that, but I yeah. mean, we have to firstly thank Chris for his uh, love and patience and amazing stories. It's so inspirational. Like, you know, going in on Fruity Loops. And you know, it was it's just it's just a, a bit a big deal, a big deal for me especially. So thank you to Chris. And also big thanks to the guys at the Court London, uh, especially Harry, Richard and Pam for uh, getting us in there, getting us booked and uh, for accommodating us and their lovely hospitality. Big love to those guys. So uh, where do our listeners need to go? Lee? They've they've gotta go over to all the socials, uh, every social at through the door. Which is spelled T H R U T H E D A W. You betcha. And also head over to wargieproductions.com for podcasting, music, audio, help, whatever. You just bell us up and we will help you no matter what. Where are our listeners subscribing, Lee? Uh, they need to subscribe on all their favourite podcasting platforms. That they do. Mm. Thank you very much. No, you're welcome. <laughs> 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 You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Thanks. In a bit.